Welcome to Episode Party, the podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Jack Tudor. I'm Freddie Harrison. And today we're joined by Padma and Samantha from The Intersection. Hello! Hi! Hello, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so we're going to dive into the recommendations. Freddie is going to kick us off today. Freddie, your recommendation, please. So this this recommendation uh, actually came off the back of another episode of Episode Party that myself and Jack did a little while back now. It was on our favourite current affairs and news podcasts, and we started to consider uh, the types of podcasts that discuss news and current affairs that we both like. And I think it was probably the most um, informative in terms of changing how I listen to podcasts and when I listen to podcasts, because all of a sudden I started picking up daily news shows and I started picking up these kind of week in review shows that I listen to over the weekend that do a really nice job of rounding up a week's worth of news and kind of team me up for the next week and I've actually found it to be a really healthy thing as well because rather than consuming rolling 24-hour news or consuming all my news on Twitter or constantly refreshing the BBC News or the Guardian's website or anything like that I found myself focusing a lot more on podcasts as a way of finding out what's going on. So I get my daily update from the BBC News podcast. Um, What's the name of it, Jack? I can't remember. I think it's just the Global News Podcast. Thank you. Yes, I think you're right. And that's produced by the BBC World Service and they also do this podcast which they have uh, advertised on the Global News Podcast called The World This Week. And I just really like it as a relatively concise, relatively calm and somewhat well-rounded look at the biggest, I suppose, news stories that have happened in the the past week. So I tend to wake up on a a Saturday or a Sunday morning and put this on. It's about half an hour. And, you know, it doesn't cover everything. It, It has a very large remit to obviously cover all news across the globe, um, that's happened in the past seven days, and I, I think it would be impossible to cover everything. So it does cherry pick, but I think it does a good job of getting a relatively even spread of news uh, geographically. Um, there seems to be a good mix in there, and I just like the way that they're able to sum up things and and not just report on the what in terms of what happened, but more about the why and uh, why it happened and perhaps why it's significant or important generally or at least going ahead into the coming weeks um so with regards to the episode i recommended there wasn't a particular rhyme or reason for recommending the episode that i did except for i think it was either the most recent or almost the most recent episode by the time we each swapped our recommendations for this episode so there wasn't anything particular about this episode that interested me after all it's a new show and it's new every single week and it's just about the relevance of what's happening but i just find it a really really nice way to sum up what's happened in a week and kind of keep me somewhat informed and I think there are gaps for sure but I I think like it puts me in a good position Jack what did you think I'm glad that 
the BBC are exploring different ways that you can deliver news through a podcast. I think I've struggled to find one that works for me, and I still feel like that I'm in the process of finding the means by which I feel most comfortable consuming news and not feeling like I'm being dragged through it or have landed in the middle of something and and just trying to find my feet with it. This, uh, as a premise, I think really appeals to me, the the idea of having this, what feels like a more topographic view of the, the news. I mean, it felt to me, listening to the episode that I did, that there was a lot more talk compared to, say, a, a traditional news bulletin which focuses on stories. There's a, a lot more talk about uh, global powers and the dynamics between them, like a, a very broad view. And I think, in some senses, uh, that's a, a useful perspective to have, um, I felt that the episode I listened to was kind of relentlessly through the lens of Trump. I think almost every story was kind of funneled through the perspective of the US, which I don't really feel on the button enough to know whether this is something which is manifesting as a a bias or like a, a kind of maybe weighted preoccupation with Trump right now or whether it is warranted to have everything framed that way. Uh, But by the end, I was just like, you know, getting the fatigue of hearing his name, which I guess actually maybe that should have (laughs) arrived sooner than it did. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, I I think it still feels like a podcast that's finding its feet to me. They they did this summary piece at the end of the episode, which was almost like a a comment piece, which talked, um, I can't even recall what it was now, but it felt very broad in its analysis. And it's almost like it's working from such an aerial view that actually everything comes off in this very um, conceptual manner. So it's probably not one that I'm going to induct into my a weekly cycle but like i say i think it's good that there is this attempt to try and see what podcasting can do as a, a medium that someone can just pick up as and when they please to make news more convenient to consumer maybe a, a bit more finite and a bit more uh, I, I don't know tangible like it's got hard limits so i'm intrigued to see what you both think padma and samantha and padma what did you make of this podcast <laughs> i'm going to start with um a complaint Sure. Um, it, Go for uh, it. it was six men talking about the news. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It felt like I was back in my teenage where my father was talking politics with his friends in the living room. And there wasn't a single woman. So I went through every other episode to see if, if it's the same. <laughs> Thankfully, there were women on the other episodes. Mm. And... Um, the funny thing is the the name of the podcast, The World This Week, was actually India's first TV show in terms of news oh. in the in the mid nineties when oh. they first started opening up to and even then it was called The World This Week because no private enterprise was allowed to disseminate any Indian news. So it only had to be about the world. Right. But anyway, I mean it it seems like if I were to consume news in this manner it would be i mean there have been a lot of experiments like this in the recent past right how can you consume news in different ways if you're not Mm -hmm. getting it from social media like i Mm. mean there have been stories about people completely disconnecting from social media and just reading newspapers right and does that change your view of the world i mean i'm sure it does and it really to me i mean this weekly thing does seem like a blast from the past because (laughs) you know it's I mean getting first of all it seems late 
um, unless you're bringing, of course, unless you're adding value to it in in some way. And it right. it kind of follows a very traditional way of broadcasting news. I, I mean, I'll explain it. Is that you know, first comes topics like diplomacy, international relations, politics on the larger stage. Mm-hmm. And the last story will always be a, you know, something that has a social angle or something yes. that has a human interest. You know, it's kind of like going through the newspaper except that the sports isn't except that there's no sports perhaps. <laughs> um, so, I mean, really it it did take me back to my childhood in a lot of ways. I'm not sure that I can consume news once a week because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it from other channels. Mm. So, I don't know, Samant, what was what was yours? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I uh, this is of course a totally personal take, uh, but as a working journalist, I tend to uh sort of follow the news pretty obsessively all day to see whether there's something that I should be up to speed with or should be reporting upon or should maybe be thinking about for a bigger story. And so the thought of sort of of reprising all of that at the end of every week on a weekend is a little <laughs> frightening. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, especially given that a lot of the news these days t- uh, tends to be fairly depressing and not necessarily the happiest sort of set of circumstances that this world has seen. Hmm. But the second thing that I thought was very interesting, and Padma mentioned this a little bit, but I thought we could take it one step further, is that, you know, the BBC in sort of trying to adapt its product to this new medium, the podcast, has actually looked backwards and gone to the most traditional sort of news magazine format that print journalism Mm. has been following for a long time. So this is really the quintessential economist time newsweek mold of journalism where Mm. at the end of every week, you know, you sort of, you have these, the one big story from the US or the UK, and then you sort of filter across the rest of the world, you sort of touch down briefly in Syria, you look at how the poor are doing in India, you check back with you know various people across the world, and um, you know, and this this is exactly the kind of print product that was done in by the internet when it turned out that news didn't stop for weekly print cycles and it just sort of kept on flowing. Mm. So the reason that Newsweek was doomed, for example, the reason that time struggles quite often to be relevant in this day and age is that they don't do what other interesting or important news weeklies do. I mean, the New Yorker magazine is a weekly, but it does something of immense value, which is it frames larger stories, does deeper reporting uh, and gives... um, a really sort of urgent context and relevance to what's happened uh, in the daily news cycle. So I kind of felt, I mean, uh, as I think, you know, Jack and Padma put it, I did feel that that the world this week was was doing a lot of the work that had already been done by other, by other products, whether they're in print or online mm-hmm. or in audio or video format. But uh, uh, Freddie, I was curious to know, did, did listening to this podcast replace your consumption of daily news during the week? Did you feel that it was sort of like an acceptable substitute and you were able to cut down on, I don't know, following The Guardian every day or the BBC every day? I'd like to think it did, but I think the honest truth is that it hasn't. And maybe that's just been a moment of self-reflection. Um, I think I think I have changed somewhat a little bit in that I, I tend to 
try and limit my need to keep up with uh, 24-hour rolling news coverage. And I think that's helped. But, you know, I I used to be a journalist. I I trained as a journalist. So it's taken me a long time to get out of that habit and that uh, feeling that I need to or want to keep up. And uh, I think that's... uh, I've not quite uh, managed to uh, distance myself from that just yet. (laughs) I think I... I I completely agree with everything you've all said, and I think these are all really good points. Uh, I think there are still a fair few blind spots in in this podcast in terms of uh, how it presents the news and the the format and the the spread of coverage that it gives, and... um, that super important point about the um, the, the gender split of uh, hosts and voices that are on the show. I find all of that very interesting because it's, uh, it's all things that I think have been in the back of my mind, but I've kind of put to one side. And it's lovely to hear those, those interesting things. Exactly what I hoped would happen is that I'd have a journalist and a writer come in and give me some really interesting opinions on my, uh, on my news podcast that I decided to recommend. So in that sense, I feel like it's, uh, it's been a successful discussion. <laughs> I think the one, the, just to, I mean, sort of round this off, I think the one adjective that you used that I thought was very interesting and even of value was the adjective calm. Mm. And I feel maybe that is something that is missing from our day-to-day coverage that sort of a weekly product could possibly provide. I mean, mm. you know, Trump yes. sort of, you know, comes to Europe and slags off NATO and walks ahead of the Queen and, you know, uh, and gets <laughs> gets chummy with Putin and so on. And what we see on a day-to-day uh, coverage of this, whether in the newspapers or on TV or on Twitter, is just sheer outrage and, and yes. disbelief and horror. Mm. And for uh, for the dulcet tones of a BBC presenter to sort of wrap this all up with, you know, as if he's des- describing grass grow or paint dry, you know that <laughs> that has a certain kind of value that I can I can kind of see the you know the, the my blood pressure dropping already, so to speak. Yeah, right. actually, yeah. I mean, when they were discussing the Thai cave rescue. You know, in my mind, I was imagining like sounds of choppers in the background and like parents (laughs) screaming. I don't know. Maybe I'm like, I've internalized the news cycle or the hype of, you know, the the noise of news cycle so much that it's already in my mind. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is the news as narrated by David Attenborough, which is very (laughs) useful in a certain way. I think um, maybe this is the issue with the BBC, which is that it has this adherence to impartiality or, or the or at least the idea that that's what it should be doing and therefore analysis becomes difficult because i, I guess the deeper that you dive the, the more maybe you have to elaborate in a manner which reveals your stance i mean i notice on the bbc's website i mean it's difficult to find very thorough or um, forthright comment pieces and mm-hmm. m- maybe this is a symptom that we're seeing in the, the world this week which is all it can do is slow down and pull back and talk in countries instead of regions <laughs> instead of being able to actually burrow in it has to pull out and that's i think what i found almost quite i don't know if, if i mean cold is maybe what i felt towards it more than calm it was almost matter of fact to the point where it was i don't know i mean i think this has already been said uh, plenty already but i wanted it to dig deeper i wanted it 
to mm. say what have I been thinking about what, what what else has been uncovered throughout the course of this story existing for a week I think one of the things that I felt was it's kind of uh, stuck in an in between area when it comes to whether it's too long or too short. Right. I mean they're trying to do something that of course goes over and beyond what let's say the daily news or the internet has covered. For that you need space but it's 20 minutes and you're trying to fit four to five stories yes. and you're trying to go I mean I think it's I don't know I think I think there's a limitation there. Yes. I oh, know I think that's true. I I think it's interesting as well that the the BBC's podcasts almost sound like they're working to a clock where obviously it's a meeting where that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, there's always like exactly. that. And that's hmm. what we've got time for today. It's like no it's not. You've got as much time as you like, guys. Um but you know, it's yeah, so I I think interesting like I'm really interested to see how the BBC is trying to navigate podcasting because a lot of it is transposing radio shows into the podcast format and I feel like they're just at the moment being like okay but how else could this work what else could we do with this our next recommendation let's go to padma i believe no sorry no it's samant samant yes samant yeah. um if we could have your recommendation please yes uh, so my recommendation is uh, is the podcast no such thing as a fish and uh to explain why i love this so much and why i started listening to it and why i listen to it religiously it's important to tell you a little bit about something i do as a pastime so back in india and to a much less extent here in ireland where we live now i have been an extremely ardent quizzer and this involves sort of taking part in the few table quizzes that happen in dublin but back in india it's sort of a big you know multi city event that happens you know there's quizzes throughout the year you show up it's pub quizzing without the pub really there's no alcohol involved you just sit in teams and you sort of answer questions often for 3 days on end this is what we did in uh, you know a month or so ago in bangalore in india Whoa. and so yeah so it's 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 i take it very seriously it's sort of an integral part of my life and i've been doing it for more than 20 years and naturally then as a quizzer i'm sort of i, I tend to gravitate towards books or magazines or podcasts that tell me interesting things about the way we live in think the world we live in uh things that i didn't necessarily know uh and that might at some point possibly crop up as an interesting question in a quiz that i attend and you know no such thing as a fish is the perfect podcast for somebody like me it's essentially four people who are researchers for the qi game show on bbc2 uh they get together around a microphone once a week with their four favorite facts of the week and they sort of you know they take it in turns to talk about their fact but clearly they've prepared in advance to talk about it in ways that spin off into interesting discussions further trivia and other facts and to top it all off all four of them are incredibly incredibly funny so this is a uh, sort of a trivia a podcast that was essentially framed around the idea of riffing off it in comedic as well as um you know as well as improvisational style hmm. and um and and this is this is something that makes for a really really you know great product i've been listening to this for 3 years now at least i think i remember when padma and i first visited ireland back in 2015 and drove around the country <laughs> oh for 3 weeks yeah. we listened to this part the back episodes of the show day in and day out on the car as we drove so you know this is this really has a special place in my heart we saw them live in dublin a couple of months ago and they are as good in person on stage oh, as they wow. are on the on the in the recording suite and uh, and and that's what i uh, enjoy about it and just to sort of really quickly 
tell you about the the episode that I recommended to you guys, which is no such thing as interesting movie trivia, Cleopatra movie trivia, I believe that's what it's called. Um, And this is just, you know, this is sort of like an archetypal, no such thing as a fish uh, episode. You know, there are running jokes that pop up again and again through the course of the 45 minutes or so. There's, There's a lot of spontaneity. They rib each other all the time. They combine high humor with low humor. I believe one of the facts in this podcast is the fact that UNICEF has a nutrition ambassador called Poopy. You know, this is just, you know, this is this is classic British silliness in sort of Monty Python style, which I just love. Um, yeah, and, and, and I think uh, there's, there's so much to be learned from this. Uh, and just to sort of round this off and connect it back to what I was saying earlier, I listened to this episode and there's this one great fact about how there was a, a Hollywood movie uh, called Dracula that was shot somewhere in the 1930s or 1940s and there was a Spanish language version of Dracula that was shot on the same set at night and because the English language guys during the day had essentially done all the hard work of setting up the stage and and getting cues right and things like that, the Spanish language version actually wrapped up and released a lot quicker. Uh, And so it was the first of the two versions to come out. And I listened to this maybe three months ago or four months ago, and sure enough, when I was in Bangalore in a movie quiz, uh, this came up and I was able to, with great satisfaction, answer the question. I'm telling you, it happened. That's so good. So so this is, you know, this is this explains my addiction to this show, I think. <laughs> I think that's great that you actually got a reason to use it because what I'd usually do <laughs> is load up on silly facts and then drag the conversation towards one of those silly facts so that I can say it. So <laughs> the in your lap is amazing. That's really good. How long have you been waiting for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a complete coincidence. I mean, I'm sure maybe the guy who was asking this question in the quiz uh possibly listened to the podcast as well i'm not sure but it was entirely independently of me and so that was you know it was an additional pleasure in and of itself wow that's so good i should tell you that no such thing as a fish does have a lot of genital jokes <laughs> I find it, it really does it's it, true. it really does yeah, yeah. padma what did you think of it oh i love no such thing as well i mean there have been times when i have been on the bus and i just explode in laughter and i wear these like (laughs) in-ear headphones so people don't know that i'm actually listening to something and they just think it's a crazy indian woman (laughs) on the bus it's uh, yeah with like a dirty tote and i i can look the part some i mean on some days um (laughs) and i remember once i think we were on a bus and I think it was like most of the people on the bus were sleeping. And I think Samant was listening to this and he just exploded. And people just jumped. And I'm like, you have to stop that. You really have to stop that. So it, it really is explosively funny um, at some point. I, I could not recommend it more. I really love it as well. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's interesting, like... I think the energy of this podcast is remarkable. I think the hmm. premise is so strong. I think you've mm-hmm. both highlighted that. I think there's the excitement of acquiring knowledge coupled with the excitement of making each other laugh and improvising together, which combined is just like, you know, it's huge. Um, and then uh, the just the dynamic between them, it's so clear they've been doing this for, I mean, however many episodes. How many is it? It's like, is it upward of like 200 or something like it's that? It's more yeah. than 200, yes. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's like, and they've got such an aligned sense of humor. I have to confess, it's not exactly my sense of humor. I, I did, like, I do. <laughs> I didn't find myself laughing out loud, but what I do is I'm just in awe of their 
means of collaborating together, the way that they work together, the tangents that they go on. I mean, there's right. one point in this discussion where I think uh, I think it's on the back of um, talking about Poopy, and they then go on to talk about um, Stevie Wonder's real name and the fact that he's called Steve Land. This is my favourite fact of the whole episode. I never knew this, and I will never be able to... Uh, listen to Stevie Wonder in the same time. Yeah, it's wonderful. And then, but then all of a sudden they're talking about Joaquin Phoenix's upbringing in a religious cult. Uh, but it's great because they roll there, like completely organically, and they just end up there. And I think it's wonderful that they've got this dynamic that just allows them to keep on snowballing on and on and what cuts them short is the fact that they need to go to the next fact just to get it yeah. in the time limit not that they run out of things to <laughs> say like i mean they are inexhaustible so i just love hearing four people's brains whirring like this and just pulling on what is clearly a mutual fascination for uh, knowledge and laughter and i think obviously that's something that comes through on the show that they they they're involved in writing qi i mean it's essentially the television equivalent where it's a bunch of people who say something interesting and then say something gradually more and more absurd and in fact right. it reminds me a lot of another show which in fact i don't know if this is something you both listen to but um the infinite monkey cage which is a podcast which brings together science and humour as well. It's presented by Brian Cox and Robin Ince, and there's that oh. fraught. No, I haven't heard of it. It's it's interesting. That one to me sounds a bit more fraught. There's scientists trying to make a serious point, and then there's a lot of people being very <laughs> silly, rather than two of those personalities inhabiting the same body. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I like I say, it's not a podcast that kicks me in the funnies in a primal way, but I just admire it deeply um freddie what do you reckon i think every now and then someone will uh recommend a podcast on this show that i will listen to and immediately kick myself for not having listened to before (laughs) because uh no such thing as a fish is one of those podcasts that comes up quite a lot in uh, various articles about podcasts you should listen to. It's one of the ones that's quite heavily featured on iTunes. And I think it's one of those ones that falls in... I perhaps fall into the trap of thinking, oh, if it's so well recommended, is it is it going to be interesting enough for me? Is it going to be something I want to listen to? I, you know, I tend to steer away from anything that's too prominently featured anyway. I don't know why. And sometimes that's justified. <laughs> <It's> and sometimes... <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Sometimes Freddie, I'm going to tell you what I did this to. You know, for years I heard of this show called Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> which was very prominent and highly recommended. I got into it after four years. Uh-huh. Padma, I'm still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem in that I didn't get into Game of Thrones and then I was visiting my parents and my dad was watching the TV and he was watching a show called The 100 Best Game of Thrones Moments which should also be called 100 Best Game of Thrones Spoilers so I know all of the best bits of Game of Thrones without ever actually actually watching it and I'm convinced it's going to ruin it for me but I I will Um, but yeah and, and the moment I started listening to this, I must have been five minutes in, and I just thought, why? Why why have you ignored every single person's <laughs> call to listen to this podcast? So thank you so much for a good for a start. Um, I, again, I think, I think we're all taking something different from it, which is lovely. I didn't find myself 
always laughing out loud, although there were some genuinely hilarious bits, especially towards the end. But I just found the whole thing so endearing and so enticing because these people had so many interesting things to say. And But the irony is... They're interesting things. They're not necessarily useful things to know, unless you happen to be doing a quiz where they ask you about the Dracula film with the Spanish language version. But I still found it really, really listenable and something that I wanted to continue listening to uh, long past my bedtime last night. And I think that's a good sign that they're doing something right, because I think there is probably... Uh, a line somewhere between a fact that is interesting and a fact that is a fact but is entirely irrelevant and holds no appeal perhaps that just isn't interesting and i think they do a really good job of uh, branching out into the niche and the obscure but not getting to the point where it's just not interesting enough to want to listen to or want to discuss again echoing jack's points i I love the chemistry in this show and i love the fact that uh these people can can work together with each other and make the whole thing sound so natural and free-flowing um you know there is an element of preparation of course but uh, being able to kind of run with whatever's being said to you and and to pick up off of that and to riff off of that Mm. and to come up with those recurring jokes that appear throughout the show i think is um is really special so uh in short i am going to go away and listen to this a lot more (laughs) you're so lucky you have 200 episodes to work through i mean that's that's great i highly highly recommend to drive around ireland doing that at the same time i can Um, do that i can make that happen it's um yeah i mean i think you you hit upon the one point that i sort of i I am actually constantly amazed by which is this is actually a really tightly prepared show i mean clearly they talk about their facts in advance they exchange emails about where the discussions Mm -hmm. will lead i mean and this comes up in some of the other uh you know episodes that you listen to is that you know the fact that they've prepared about prepare these discussions and then yet make them seem spontaneous and funny and sort of off the cuff it's a really really difficult skill to master and 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 the fact that this podcast was born sort of almost by accident you know it was born when one of the qi researchers decided that a fact that he had found that wasn't used for show was actually too good to sort of waste and you know people just sat around a microphone and recorded it and just did a small audio segment and advertised it through their social media platforms and it took off and that's how the podcast was born um so it was almost by accident and and yet it manages to be this sort of um intensely enjoyable show with all this chemistry that you guys mentioned i find that really remarkable yeah and speaking of the chemistry i think it also is an example of a podcast that plays to the crowd but in a way that completely appeals to me like they are feeding <laughs> off the energy of the room so much and the energy is you know the, the the crowd are giving them back like tenfold as well i mean what was it like when you guys saw them to be amidst the crowd and to seeing be seeing this live i guess it must have been slightly surreal given that you've heard them you know privately on a <laughs> on the bus or on a yeah. car ride beforehand right Sometimes I think, wow, these people have bodies. They're actually people. <laughs> these voices inhabit these faces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was beyond expectations. It was houseful. I think it was sold out way before. And we were actually amazed. When we sat there, someone said, do you really think all these people listen to the podcast? <laughs> and, you know, he's like, and, and we were like, wow, how many people do you think listen to our podcast? I'm like, I don't know, half the room, maybe less. <laughs> and half of them would be our family. I don't know. So, <laughs> um, no, it was really incredible. And I think it's, 
it's a wonder of nature that four funny nerds got together and produced this. It's incredible to me. And I think as Samanth would point out and would probably take umbrage at somebody, I think Freddie said, what is a useless fact? Samanth's all like, there's nothing called a useless fact. All facts are useful. The useless <laughs> facts are the best facts. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of a useful fact? I hate useful facts. Yeah, a useful fact is that you need oxygen. What point is that? <laughs> No, we love it. I think at one point on our like long um, road trip through Ireland, I, we picked up a hitchhiker and she was in the car maybe 30 minutes. And I think there might have been a lot of private part jokes during that 30 minutes and she couldn't get out fast enough. Um, so <laughs> maybe that wasn't, you know, one of the fans, but I'm really a fan. And the most incredible thing is Samantha, I think, listens to this every time he goes to the gym as well. Do you? Yes, that's true. I crack up yeah. on the treadmill sometimes and I have to stop and sort of... I mean, this Laugh. is just, you know, this is not necessarily a podcast we listen to for me in public, but I clearly break <laughs> that rule all the time yeah. um, and embarrass myself in, in situations like on the bus and in the gym and so on. But it's... Um, Yes, but it's highly recommended. Yeah. I should also tell you, we have a very low level of humor. I mean, we, <laughs> no, we'll really kind. laugh at like potty jokes <laughs> so, and terrible puns. I mean... I th- I'm completely on board with that. And in fact, I listened to this one at the gym earlier as well, Mm. which I think is such a risk because I think there's nothing weirder than someone lifting weights and grinning in the mirror. Like, what's that? Some kind of macho hysteria? Like, what is that? (laughs) No, it's so heavy, I want to laugh. (laughs) I can see myself dropping something very heavy on myself if I try and listen to this in the gym because, like I say, I didn't crack up too much throughout this episode, but there were points where it just got me done doubling over and I feel like that will be the moment when I've got something lifted above my yeah. head or something like that so uh, uh, let but that be know, a warning insta- to all of our yeah. listeners out there yeah no my instinct is worse my instinct when I hear something funny is to poke the person next to me and tell him the joke or her so which is worse because I'm trying to stop somebody who's running at 12 kilometers an hour yeah. like oh you gotta listen to this <laughs> <laughs> they love it. Um, I'm also very guilty of that. I relay podcast jokes to people who um, <laughs> definitely don't want to hear a second-hand podcast joke. But, you know, you can't keep it to yourself. This is the problem with headphone listening, I think. It's like yeah. you end up being this ball of energy and you're like, I want to share this. Yeah. <laughs> it never quite works out. Let's go to our third recommendation. Um, Padma, if you'd like to introduce this one and tell us a bit about it. Yeah. I'm sorry, this is going to be not funny at all. Um, it's actually quite dark. So um, I wanted to recommend the podcast In the Dark, um, and, and, this, and especially season two, which uh, just got over, actually. So this is produced by American Public Media, which is a not-for-profit, and hosted by the journalist called Madeleine Barron. And season two deals with the case of Curtis Flowers. I mean, in words of the podcast, he's a black man from a small town, Winona in Mississippi, who has spent the past 21 years fighting for his life. He has been convicted six times for the crime of killing four people in a furniture store. And it's also the story about the white prosecutor who has spent the exact same time trying just as hard to execute him. So Curtis Flowers is right now on death row. And... uh, the season is 10 episodes old and it's some people said that you know this is really great old school journalism you know people 
called things old school journalism, but I have a problem with that because mm. it seems like journalism has died. Right. Um, when they, you know, sometimes when they say, oh, that's really great old school journalism, but, and they're just saying that it's good journalism. And now, yeah. you know what I mean? Like now just, we just have BuzzFeed listicles. I don't know, like somehow nobody does good <laughs> stories anymore. Yeah, totally. For me, it isn't just about the story, but also what reporting really is. And it really shows the boring and the tedious and all the work that goes behind. Madeline Barron moved to this town for a year and she had a team of maybe eight, nine reporters, I think. And I'm just going to give you a small sample of the kind of work that goes into an investigative project of this size. This is kind of like big data, but without the computers, it's actually a manual. So at one point, they had to look at district court data over 25 years. It's a period of criminal cases that was tried by this particular prosecutor who's called Doug Evans. They had to go through four. He had prosecuted 418 cases, and these were in leather dockets, like ledgers, which mm-hmm. were in the courthouses. That This was across, I think, six courthouses. Whoa. And they were they were all on paper. You could not just do a Google on the computer and see. And there are these huge ledgers, and you have to look at every entry. They did it manually to look at the juries. Yeah, to look at the juries and how many peremptory strikes, which is what the prosecutor or the defense, when they're choosing the juror, they can use. And to see if Doug Evans, how many black jurors he had peremptory strikes against versus white jurors. So these were these ledgers were sometimes stored in old men's bathrooms or like old jail cells and vaults. And the courthouses said that it was a total of 100,000 pages. And they wow. would copy it at 25 cents a page. That was 25,000 US dollars. Wow. So what did they do? They bought a scanner. They moved into courthouse after courthouse after courthouse, scanning each page. Remove the staple, scan, repeat. Remove the staple, scan, repeat. They did it to 115,000 pages over three months. Wow. And they got the information that they wanted. So this is what I wanted to say. When you read this in the paper, what you would read would be just this one line that would say that Doug Evans used these many peremptory strikes against black jurors compared to white jurors. They're not going to explain what they did. So as a journalism nerd, it's fascinating and it's really reassuring to, to know that this is still going on. People are doing this. I mean, I have never done, I mean, I can only hope to do any work like this. So it's, it's really impressive. And to be honest, in every other way, it's excellent narrative. It focuses on people one by one. It's just, it's just like a story because you always are concerned about who are these people? What are their motivations? Where did they come from? And it's the descriptions. You know, you know these people who do the courtroom sketches yes. um, when they sit on cases? And, you know, she builds the descriptions like that. It's amazing. So she'll start with the description of the room. And then she'll describe the noises. Mm -hmm. Then she'll describe what he's wearing. So it slowly comes to life in her imagination. And it's so great. It's a a perfect use of the medium of audio, um, to be honest. And there was one episode where they finally get to talk to this prosecutor, Doug Evans, whom they have chased for months. And they catch him in a hallway for like 11 minutes. I had goosebumps, like chills. Oh, wow. Well, how, how long into it was that? 
I think this is the one after. Maybe it's episode seven or eight. I think. Right. Wow. And they only catch him for eleven minutes. I'm um, eleven minutes, and of course he doesn't say anything much because he just says, you know, the case is still going on. I can't say much, but it's still like because they have built the suspense so well. You know, they drive. They finally track down this one police officer to his house, and they're driving through this Mississippi Delta region. There's no one around. Mm-hmm. And they can see the house, which is like at the bottom of a hill, and there's nothing else. And I, I was really terrified for them, because they had this was like a violent police officer mm. who was now not on the force. And it's just it, it does everything. I'm sorry, I'm just like a fan <laughs> of, of, I mean, of this show. And Madeline Barron has the f- fantastic voice. It's like, it's almost a calm GPS voice, which is also generous and kind mm-hmm. yeah. so uh, i mean it's i i'm just starting on the on season one actually and you know you asked me for an episode recommendation and it's kind of hard to choose one because it's you know it's not piecemeal so right, yeah. it's it's a full story but i chose the one i mean i don't want to give any spoilers away but it's very critical to the case it was so critical that the defense lawyers took note of it and I don't know what will happen now, but it it was a critical piece. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you listened to this one episode. I don't know if it made sense or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was very interesting to be thrust into the story at that point. And I think they did a bit of a recap at the beginning, mm-hmm. which hurtled by. And I was like, what, where, who, what, who was that? What? But... I was very surprised at how quickly I actually found my place within the story. I mean, mm. they gave a lot of context as they went along, which actually, within about five minutes, I felt like I could comprehend exactly who I was hearing from and why their voice was was important. Right. Perhaps not to the extent that you would do after listening for five episodes prior, but certainly to the point mm. where, where I could follow along and certainly appreciate this podcast to the point where I am definitely going back to episode one to hear everything and to understand the context in which i'm hearing episode six called punishment i mean i was Mm. picking up on these glimmers which i feel like i can only analyze in part because i'm missing you know loads of other contexts on either side but even you know the title punishment in the context of what you're hearing here um both someone who is incarcerated and Mm. also the family on the outside who are definitely feeling the weight of absence there's a lot to take in and in fact what i thought was really incredible and 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 differed a lot from a lot of the other true crime podcasts i've heard is that Mm. it didn't draw all of the connections for you you know there Mm -hmm. was some perhaps opportunities for metaphor which it didn't go well this could be seen to you know mean this or you know this particular glance or or you know the the fact Mm. that he's still singing after all this time could mean this blah 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 i mean it spends a lot of time in the company of Curtis's father. And I thought mm. the large, like, uninterrupted passages of him singing in his gospel group, The Melody Kings, were amazing. And I think carried so much in terms of conveying Curtis's absence, but also the kind of emotional conflict of waiting to see whether your son may one day come out of jail. It felt very much imbued in that passage and the podcast didn't 
stop to tell you that it just let that mm. happen and let those connections emerge in your head and i thought mm. the fact that it lingered for so long uh, w- w- without necessarily spelling out every relevance it had to the person who's still in prison was r- remarkable as far as i'm concerned like the fact that they had faith in their audience but also th- like the uh, strength and sophistication of narrative to do that was just incredible um yeah. it was a beautiful podcast um a beautiful sounds like a very strange word for such a Mm. gruesome subject matter but i thought the way that it was made was done with such love for the process and the craft you know rather than necessarily what they're dealing with and yeah i will like i say i'll be listening from episode one because i was so intrigued by how this narrative was conveyed over 40 minutes i want to hear what it's like as a big sprawling 10 episode thing so yeah Yeah. thanks very much for putting this one in my (laughs) direction no i mean i am such a fan i mean you know they talk about driveway moments in radio but i've literally stood outside my door with the key in the door yes and you know finishing the last five minutes it's deeply emotional i mean i have been moved to tears um several times there was this there's this one part where the father of one of the people who were killed in the furniture store and she interviews him and he talks about in a very unsentimental manner in a sense that that they had a ritual when they when they closed uh, the bar that he ran and he would take some money and put it in the jukebox and they would hear their favorite song which was sweet child of mine and right after that it's it's like 30, 40 seconds of that song. And I can't tell you how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel like you are in that bar listening with that, with a father and son. That's um, the th- thing. I think the fact that they're willing to play those big passages of just music. Uh, yeah. That's bold. But yeah, it really does pack a punch. And it's just a power of the story. It's not... I started serial as well. Uh, to be honest, I didn't finish it. it at one mm. point, it didn't. I think it lost me. Uh, it's very sin. This is so unsentimental. The yeah. power is just in the facts, just in the work they do. Mm. And I think that's what journalism is there for. Right. Yeah. I. I. It was funny because I think you know you you set this up as as saying that you know that the serial has kind of popularized true crime podcasts and I think one of the things that's been really interesting throughout our podcast is finding out how many other true podca- crime podcasts are out there <laughs> and, mm. and and really starting to realize the scale of these stories that are, are quite often unspoken and and uncovered and when you when someone's incarcerated and particularly when they're on death row they're sentenced with murder you tend to kind of think that's it case closed we're done with that person they're kind of confined to their fate and there is nothing else that can be said or done about them and i think you know in general people who who may may watch the evening news or, or perhaps like me listen to a a, a weekend podcast of uh, that sums up the week maybe don't have the patience to kind of dig into these things that are effectively a close well feel like they should be a closed narrative i guess everyone's looking for the end to every story Mm. and i think it's really Mm. interesting that there are these pockets of journalists out there who are so committed and so talented Mm. at 
at, at finding these these cases and these stories and having the patience and the skill and the um, tenacity to keep chipping away at them and uncovering what is you know uh, potentially a huge injustice but if nothing else a really really fascinating look at how what we deem to be um, black and white it really isn't hmm. yeah absolutely hmm. um, I mean also as well Padma I'll say it's wicked to actually get an insight into the process I mean we had a podcast featured in one of our last episodes uh, about the tip-off which is you know a podcast that digs behind investigative journalism and tells you how it was done and you know my hmm. appreciation for the uh, art of um, or the process of bringing something like this together just increased tenfold and so it's uh, amazing to hear that done as well for for this podcast mm. to be like blimey mm. yeah for you know a, a fleeting sentence actually that's decades of work potentially yeah. you know and it's so relevant i mean in today's age of fake news I and mean, then people are like oh that's not true and that's not true and that's not true mm-hmm. uh, i mean it's really relevant to show people what it actually is and how much work goes behind the true authentic stories mm-hmm. and you know I'm going to mention the one who should not be mentioned, you know, Trump and fake news and, uh-huh. you know, mm. saying that this is fake news. I mean, it's not, that's not, it's very easy to dismiss the work, the field. And I mean, in my country, journalists are second, I think, only to politicians when it comes to mistrust. Mm. So, <laughs> I mean, it's great to have know about these people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Samantha, what, what do you think of this podcast? Well, I mean, I agree with, I think, everything that was said. I, um, I, but what struck me was, of course, immediately the comparison to Serial, which, uh, like Padma said, I started listening to, and it was interesting because it was such an, such an interesting new format at the time. Uh, and then I grew, um, you know, progressively dissatisfied with, partly with the activist tone that it seemed to be taking and partly with its promise and then failure to deliver on a resolution of any kind right. I think that was mm-hmm. there was something a little duplicitous about that i thought but it was still enjoyable and it showed me the part the potential for this particular format this particular medium and uh, and i think um, in the dark takes it uh, you know several steps further and it's just it, it did strike me when i was uh, listening to it that it's such a quintessentially American product. I mean, this is really, you know, before there was podcasting, there were these magazines and uh, TV shows that and documentaries that did very similar excavations of true crime stories. And maybe that just means that true crime of this kind exists a lot more in the US than elsewhere. I don't know. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, but there's clearly so many sort of miscarriages of justice to be uncovered. And rather than trying to sum them all up in statistics uh the american media has been pretty good at drilling down really deep on one particular case and just working away at it until it can be proved beyond doubt that something fundamentally wrong has transpired uh and this was very much in that genre of storytelling Mm. i think as well the fact that it comes to a place where actually the podcast or what's uncovered and then presented in the podcast actually impresses upon reality uh, is so amazing as well and and quite crucial i guess the fact that there is a desire to try and make a change to instigate this reflection upon something which wasn't scrutinized enough the first time round by the people responsible um i suppose that's what stops it being potentially 
exploitative. The fact that actually there is an in- intention to do something about it, not just tell you about it and to, you know, make the commutes while, while by, you know, it's, it's actually trying to, to instigate some kind of change. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I know I've gone on about this, but it just, it, it takes this ball of all these leads and, you know, it's not just... It's not just investigating a crime. It's actually investigating further wrongdoings mm-hmm. from the side of law enforcement as well. So it's a it's a second it's a primary and a secondary job, mm-hmm. and it does it so well. It un it untangles each thread one by one by one, and it distills it into these questions. And finally, it does the job of of a reporter is that it takes these questions, and it lays them at the door of the wrongdoer. Mm-hmm. The burden is now yours, yes. not mine. Yes. It's incredible. I am now going to stop my fangirling. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'll start mine in that case. Um, we've got one <laughs> more recommendation. Yes. Uh, that is a podcast that I brought to the table, which is Sound Matters, um, which is a podcast about sound um, hosted by Tim Hinman uh, and presented by Bang and Olufsen, who produce all kinds of high-quality audio gear. So obviously the standard, as you would hope, is set in terms of what this podcast sounds like, particularly as it is a podcast about sound. I mean, most episodes start with a request to put on headphones because um, more than just telling you about different sonic phenomena, it has a real intention to plunge you inside them and to make you inhabit them. And so the production, I think, is incredible and you really do feel like you're up inside the subject matter or at least I did anyway putting on my headphones and and uh I mean the episode that I recommended you will listen to is one called the voice of cod which is a quite tacky pun for what's otherwise a very (laughs) thorough exploration of its subject which I kind of like but uh it starts with uh effectively an earthquake as heard underwater and the evocation of that i think with the bass frequencies and the use of the stereo field and the sloshing of water wrapping around your head is just incredible i mean this whole particular episode that i picked is about uh the relationship between sound and water so um as a woman who does duets sung duets with whales um there's a lot about the impact of humanity uh, upon its environment uh, in perhaps a more degradative sense uh, and also a, a bit about the geographic dialects of the noises that cod makes as well which i thought was very interesting um, and all the while you're surrounded by these like rumbles of ocean pressure and the gurgles of the tide flowing in and out and um i think the podcast really understands that uh, listening requires patience because a, a lot of the interviews that are done throughout this episode are without the host really being there so they're just left with you're you're just left with the answers of the person who's being interviewed with these great spaces in between to we spoke about this a bit on in the dark but i think it's kind of utilized here as well where someone talks about something but for large swathes of the podcast you're just there to experience it and so many answers i think are illuminated simply from engaging in that experience i mean again it's a podcast i think that understands that uh, listening is a an act of empathy and also a great harbinger of understanding as well um and i just really enjoy it like i've only really recently got into the podcast so i'm only new on my journey but each episode i've listened to so far has just been so 
rich in the way that it manipulates sound. I mean, there was one that I listened to which took a detour into um, like the sound systems of Jamaica. And there's a point where one person talks about having his head inside a bass bin. And the way that it makes you feel that experience <laughs> is, I mean, close to nauseating, but also as well, quite incredible and really, really vivid. So I would love to hear what you all think of this podcast. Samantha, what do you reckon? Well, I mean, first, can we take a moment to just acknowledge the sheer genius of Bang & Olufsen coming on as a sponsor or a producer right. or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is for this? Because, you know, you, you do genuinely see so many sort of half-hearted sponsorship messages in there. I mean, there's the, you know, MailChimp is sort of sponsoring half the podcasts on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the idea of a sound, a company that has been focused on sound for years uh, to come into this new medium and to do a podcast on sound essentially and and to um to bring the richness of the varieties of sound in the world to us i think that's i think that in itself is 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 truly remarkable yeah um it took me a while to get into the the episode that you first sent primarily because it was such an unfamiliar it's it was such an unfamiliar concept there was no sort of direct mode of storytelling for starters and i think a lot of the other episodes that we've talked about in the podcast we've talked about are very clear about what they set out to do and this is not one of those at all mm. um and secondarily you know i had to sort of uh, adjust the sound levels on my computer and my headphones and so on but then once i did that i really got hooked into it um some episodes are better than others i mean i didn't care much for the episode where the host or maybe it was somebody else stood in the middle of a new delhi street and recorded everything that was going on around him um padma and i escaped new delhi 3 years ago precisely to avoid that kind of noise oh i don't know what i was going to i was going to say this it was so ptsd for me <laughs> i was like i started and then i'm like oh my god i can't listen to it it's so awful right. but that's clearly like, but that's a that's clear that's a clearly personal take and course. you know the invisible music of copenhagen and new york and so on i mean those you know you could clearly see if there were cities you didn't know as well this was a really interesting soundscape to uh, to listen to mm. and the at least in the short run of podcast so far i think there's been 20 episodes or something um there's been a remarkable degree of ingenuity in coming up with uh ideas for related to sound and sort of the ways in which sound can be worked into a podcast like this mm. uh the voice of god was you know easily one of the best ones of the series um i loved whatever i heard of sounds from outer space which is again just a topic on science that i'm fascinated about um and um I, you know the animals outside your window i mean these are really you when you stop and think about it the oral sense or the sense of hearing is the one that we pay attention to the least on a day-to-day basis in terms of the variety that we listen to i mean we listen to content but we don't really pay attention too much to the varieties of the sound itself yeah. and i think this urged me to think about a lot of these things from the point of view of sound i mean we think of outer space primarily as an intellectual activity of exploration we think of images that the hubble telescope sends back to us uh, we don't really think of the the exploration of outer space as something that you can listen to and that i thought was that was fascinating for me yeah great um padma what do you think did anyone think that why did it take so long for a form like podcast to come up with a podcast on sound <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> I mean isn't this a no brainer yeah. and I didn't think of it but it really should have been there I mean when we had radio I don't know yeah. and um, 
but it was um so yes apart from the ptsd that was triggered by the new delhi episode yes. um my question is when do they run out of ideas <laughs> it's you know it's so niche i i mean i'm really intrigued to see where they go from this uh, i mean just for me who's very attached to natural sciences the animals outside my window was really interesting and i listened to the voice of god and the new delhi one but uh, it's go it's definitely going on my list of podcasts to listen to hmm. maybe i won't listen to it every week but i'm i'm definitely going to dip into it to see how experimental can a niche subject be yeah i think that would be my takeaway Yeah, that's fair enough. I should maybe uh, give a brief bit of background. I mean, I've spent a lot of my time <laughs> writing about uh, experimental sound and have done for the past 10 years or so and it's something that I always get very excited about <laughs> when there's something mm. that really taps into that subject. Um and this is a podcast that I think really fulfills everything I want from something that's uh, approaching that subject. I completely hear what you're saying in terms of where this can go and I guess what's the point at which it becomes so niche that it loses an audience i mean ultimately when you've got a big high tech sponsor behind it you need to have an mm. audience along with you as you're burrowing into these niches yeah. but um i mean i i have faith mm. i'm so uh fascinated by the subject matters that they've chosen to take so far and i think there is with the right equipment and the right production there is a means of bringing mm. people into the strangest places if it's done well mm. um freddy what mm-hmm. did you reckon Yeah, I mean I I listened to this podcast probably about 8 months or so ago now and I think at the time I remember thinking this is one I really need to recommend to Jack and Jack I can't remember whether I I I just told you about it rather than waiting for episode party or I didn't and you've come about it by your own <laughs> kind of discovery. I think um it was another friend who actually put it in my direction so people were uh, all thinking of me which is nice. Well, I think yeah <laughs> and, and and like you say you know you, you've been writing about sound for years so this was this was certainly going to fall in line with your interests and um you know to echo your point Pamela I th- I can't I couldn't believe that this was the first time that someone went <laughs> hey the, you know we've 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 stumbled on yeah. this kind of evolution of radio where people are, are taking shows and listening to them more intimately with headphones on whether on the bus or at home or wherever so why not make it an immersive uh sound led experience rather than um you know echoing more traditional forms of kind of like voice voice based radio and you know all of that stuff is interesting but to really really take advantage of the fact that the vast ma- you know I, that's a generalization not the vast majority of people listen to podcasts through headphones but plenty of people who listen to podcasts listen in headphones mm. and i think mm. even if you're not listening with a set of headphones on if you hear the beginning of a podcast and the podcast says this is going to sound really good if you stick a pair of headphones on i think you'd be <laughs> more often than not inclined to do it and again you know it is a stroke of genius that uh, bang and olivson have come on board um i started doing some work at the moment on branded podcasts in my in my day job and um it, it couldn't be more perfect for them as well I really really like it. I think that the the show itself is 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 really well written and really well put together. And I think the 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 fact that there's so much of a focus on uh sound itself and how it's been meticulously uh crafted and put together to 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 help you experience the things that are being discussed is is 
is brilliant and i think there are a lot of podcasts that do interesting things with sound but i think none do it more interestingly than this one nicely said Mm. i like it i had to pause for a minute when i first when i heard the first show because it made me wonder why uh, a British Wimbledon semi-finalist was hosting a podcast, but it turns out it's not Tim Henman, it's Tim Hinman. So that's useful that. to know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he'd See, this is what turn. I go through every day. Now you guys get it. <laughs> 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 I'm all for it. <laughs> for now. But, uh, I mean, this podcast definitely made me want to invest in a better pair of headphones maybe i have really sucky ones and <laughs> you know it's it doesn't have great ba- i mean i definitely wish that i had better sound system right and yeah. um did, does anyone ev- else feel that tim talks in this voice that you are now entering a zen zone yes do you know what i mean oh yeah like he talks he, he, in this in this tone that is really <laughs> low and yeah, yeah he, I mean, it just feels like... He did this thing, well, I think it was the end of the episode, he goes, thanks for listening. And I yeah. was like, did he just fall asleep <laughs> for a second? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does feel like he's just woken up, uh, like he's just waiting for somebody to come and punch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's part of his morning routine. I mean, he. Um, I, I think... It feels like maybe, I mean, perhaps that's just his hosting style and I'm reading too much into it, but I think it feels almost quite intentional uh, to me for the host to be such a subdued presence and to almost sound like, in the way that they're delivering their lines, to be retreating out of the frame at all times and to be like, hmm. I'm going to leave you with the guest and the soundscape right now and let all of them do the talking. I mean, that's, <laughs> it feels like he's sinking through the floor, you know? It's like, it's like, it's like the world is weak with a soundscape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe the BBC could benefit from just putting some ocean soundscapes in the background, huh? There's a thought. Guys, he's the David Attenborough of soundscape. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to Attenborough sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we want to take a bit of time today as well to ask you both a few questions about your podcast. I think what's been great is that you've brought your expertise as journalists and as podcasters to the recommendations that we've discussed already, but we would be fools really not to address the fact that you host a wonderful podcast uh, called The Intersection. Can you tell me, I, I mean, I heard a really fantastic description at the start of one of the episodes which i think said something along the lines of we walk into the i think it's like the annals of the labyrinth of science and try to find our way out um, <laughs> which is so nice my ears pretty really pricked up when i heard that but i mean what is the reason that you see for doing the intersection and for i mean starting that podcast in the first place you know, podcasting, this started, we started the podcast about three years ago, and we've had it going ever since, except for a brief hiatus uh, for a few months last year. And uh, we started at a time when there were, when we were living in India, and there were very few podcasts of any kind uh, that were in the Indian media space at all. And um, uh, you know, Padma and I were both big fans of Radio Lab, which is something I believe you've already discussed yep. on Episode Party. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, produces audio content for a living and telling him about how it would be great to do an Indian version of this because uh, there's a lot of scientific and technological activity happening in India. Great Indian scientists who work around the world, but their stuff is never written about or uh, discussed in any way that is even remotely approachable or narrative in the kind of 
form that Radiolab does so well. Mm. And so, but you know, at some point, this friend of mine started up a podcast platform and he asked us to uh, do an Indian version of Radiolab and that's what we signed on to do and that's what we've been trying to do ever since. Um, and, and our format is, you know, our episodes are much shorter. They only run to about 15 or 20 minutes because this is still a very new medium in India and it takes a little sort of convincing for people to even listen to 15 minutes of a show. Right. Um, but uh, but our approach otherwise is very much the same. You know, we try to talk to maybe two or three guests in an episode and we try to figure out a way in which the science can be, con- can be conveyed through an actual story, a narrative, something that has happened in the real world or a puzzle that has been cracked or, uh, or the personal story or journey of somebody who has been working on something. And, uh, and you know, I think we've we're coming up on 60 episodes now because we uh, went from a you know sort of once every two weeks format to a monthly format so uh, that's that's the intersection you mentioned the brevity there and what I found amazing is the fact that you manage to get so deep into a subject within such a short space of time I mean I feel like the reason that say Radiolab is tends to be longer is because it takes that long in order to give a sort of thorough um, topography of the subject but you get stuck in and I come out feeling uh, thoroughly you know versed on the subject at least from several you know different perspectives I mean I um, listened to the one on lab-grown meat which uh, as mm. a vegan is something that I think about a lot in terms of where mm-hmm. I stand on it and it was so useful I think to mm. be presented with the debate presented uh, on your podcast I mean how do you find working within those brief time frames? Uh, is brevity a challenge for you when you're doing your podcast? Um, it is when it's a subject that, I mean, in which you find more than two interesting people or viewpoints to bring in. Hmm. Uh, there have been some episodes, in fact, there's one coming up in which I really struggle to keep it within, you know, 20 minutes. And I really wish that I had 30 minutes just because when you have something of deep narrative value, it's difficult. If you're talking about something that's, you know, just came up and something that's just been discovered, you can keep it short. Hmm. Uh, something that's, you know, snippy, like a fact, and then you just delve into it. But when it's something that when it's a story that surrounds a person, when you get, you know, that central character, and then you want to build on it, then you want to explain who the person is, or where he or she comes from, and things like that, then it goes into that, you know, radio lab, like 70-minute, 80-minute realm, which we just don't have. I mean, it's almost like the inverse of no such thing as a fish, where they're expanding a single fact over 15 yeah. minutes, <laughs> you're trying to cram them all into 15 minutes, you know. Um, yeah. Well, it's a really excellent podcast i've really enjoyed getting into it um and i'll continue to do so i was so woefully unfamiliar with esperanto until very recently (laughs) yes thank you so much much (laughs) he really likes that topic yeah Yeah. it's a great subject um where can people check out your podcast if they're interested and they want to listen to the intersection um it's there on the website of audiomatic if you just type in intersection audiomatic uh there's the url it's on itunes it's on Stitcher. It's on, I think, every available, uh, I mean, I'm the most popular podcast apps. Right. And it's um, it's hosted on SoundCloud. So you can go to SoundCloud and, and yeah. search for it there as well. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for finding us. Hey, and no for worries. inviting us on the show. No, not at all. It's been really wonderful to have you both. Freddie, if people want to find us online. 
Yep, um, we are at www.episode.party where you can find all of our previous episodes and links to all of the recommendations um, we've discussed and we'll have a link to the intersection on there as well. And if you want to share any recommendations for uh, podcasts with us, you can email us at hello at episode.party or you can tweet us at episode underscore party and we'd love to hear from you nice well that just about wraps us up for this time thank you very much all for listening we will see you next time bye 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 hey everyone freddie here if you're enjoying episode party please head over to itunes and leave us a rating and review it means a lot to us and it really helps us out Thanks.